You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the book stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, James Nagel, and today my guest is Pedro Angulo. We thought we'd discuss the topic of preparing high potentials for the hot seat. What that means is those who are at senior levels already and preparing them to get to the executive committee level or the level below. But first of all, before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about Pedro. He is head of leadership development in AIB, which is one of Ireland's top two banks, where he leads the design and implementation of leadership development initiatives. On top of his day job, he is a key opinion leader in the Irish HR scene, a program director at the Irish Management Institute and president of the EMCC, a leading coaching organization. One of his colleagues puts it like this, if you want passion with pragmatism, insight with inspiration and humanity with humor, Pedro's your man. So it's my pleasure to introduce Pedro. James, thank you so much, and uh, thank you to all your listeners for tuning in. Delighted to be here, and thanks for having me on your show. Great. So we can thank uh, a, a mutual a mutual friend, Paul Rowan, who, who connected us. Um, now, in Paul's own words, he was a recipient of your wisdom, but <laughs> he didn't always implement it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just to say that uh, my passion is to help people to achieve their dreams and ambitions. That's what gets me out of bed. That's what gives me a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. So I'm very keen that whomever I talk to, regardless of whether they're, you know, it doesn't matter what level they are at. I meet them where they are at. and I try to be the same version of myself with them, regardless of level, regardless of anything. But one thing that I'm, as you said, very, very interested in is that whomever I talk to, whomever I connect with, hopefully to be able to have a positive impact on them either by making them to look at the world in a more optimistic way or by uh, whatever it is that that they need at that time. But my, I suppose, as I see in my role where I work in AIB is to make sure that I work with our leaders, with the people I work with every day to make them uh, more effective, to make them happier, to be more optimistic uh, and to make them come to the bank, you know, showing the best version of themselves. That's a that's that's a that's a big job description you've given yourself. <laughs> you know, I, I realize that you've got a broad scope in your in your role, and one of your big projects has been the corporate purpose, right? Which really affects you know the, the nearly ten thousand people who work there. But today, as we've agreed, we're gonna we're gonna work on a much more a, mu- a much more niche group. We're looking at people who've already been successful in their career. They're they're pitching high in terms of their ambition. In your experience, where does the stretch tend to be for those people? Great question. I, I'm going to put it down to maybe one of the main ones that I have encountered recently. And this is not AIB specific. I think this is across all companies, across all industries. Is what I call uh, enterprise leadership. I think when we are uh, looking at leadership development, there are two big jumps that leaders have to make. One of them is uh, from contributing uh, independently to contributing through others. We promote a lot of people that are very good technically to lead teams of 100, 200 people. And they think that by continue doing what they always have done, they will continue being successful. And we, we know that that's, that's not the way. 
leading people is a very different skill from doing technical work. And, you know, sometimes these people don't want to do it. Sometimes they don't have the skills. Sometimes uh, other things get on the way. But I think it's our responsibility as corporate uh, heads of leadership or, or of organizations to support leaders making that first transition. And the same second transition is, as you said, is that once you are a head of area, head of department, somebody who is maybe a high potential, and we're going to put them into an executive position, uh, the, the transition is to move from a, from a leading through others about your team. It's about leading the enterprise. So there are times when HR might be doing well. There are times when maybe finance is doing well. There might be times when corporate banking is, is doing well. But that is not your role anymore. Your role now is to make sure that AIB, your organization, is doing well. And forget about silos. Forget about your empires. Forget about protecting your resources. They are not your resources anymore. They are AIB resources. And it's not about what's good for me and my area. It's about what's good for AIB in order to make it remain competitive, sustainable, and so on for the future. So for me, that is the main thing that I would look for in people at ESCO level. It's people that can break down silos to get good results for customers and can take an enterprise view. And it reminds me of a, an earlier guest who, who talked about once you move in that industry, the general manager level, he said, you're not only managing your own career and your own business, but you're a corporate officer. Yes. In this, in the sense that sometimes you need to do something that the corporation needs done, right? And yes. that might be that might be as ugly as a restructuring or whatever, whatever it can be. But where your personal interest can sometimes not not even match what what the corporation needs, and that requires a different mentality. Yeah, what I would say, James, I think uh, I think it's LinkedIn's one of their values is to always behave as you were a business owner. So as a business owner, it's about what's best for the business. If it is the best for the business, it's best for all these people, even though at some stages, some of, some of the people within the enterprise will have to take a little bit of pain. But sometimes there has to be somebody, one or two people that take the pain for the rest of another 200, 300 people to, 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 to remain in business and so on. Uh, so to your point, in my opinion, the best advice I can give anybody at executive level is think of this as if it was your own business, your own money, your own customers. And if you're going to make decisions, it's always making it for the sustainability uh, and the long-term viability of the business. Uh, because sometimes we try to be nice, and by trying to be nice, we're actually damaging the business and we're damaging the few people's futures. So sometimes, as you said, the best thing that we can do for people is to actually make very tough decisions because actually that will in the long term protect jobs, protect careers, protect families and, and customers and everybody else. Yeah, and it, it once again, it reminds me of an old boss I had in Moscow. And whenever there was a tough discussion, either internally or with headquarters, he had a real mastery of just putting the dramatic moment and saying, you know, what's right for the business. Mm. Now, it, it usually it usually matched what he wanted to do. <laughs> he had a very good skill, but it was a great it was a great question. And when we come back to purpose and many other things, just if you if you ask that question objectively, then everyone's entitled to give their view. But yes, there's a sort of an obvious answer. Yeah, hey, but you see, the the, the interesting thing, James, is that. Um, we're in a very interesting time. So, you know, most of the times we are, you know, before March, you know, it was business as usual. So this is what I call a simple scenario. We have rules, we have procedures, we have systems that allow us to make decisions in an easier, faster, efficient way in, in the, at, at those times. Uh, then we move from that to chaos. So, so chaos is like, whoa, everything was thrown into our face with the virus. And we go into what we call chaos, uh, chaos uh, action mode. And normally what happens is that 
you know, leaders just roll up their sleeves and they have to get the ink done. So uh, what tends to happen is that some of our leaders become very directive. Uh, it's almost like a martial law. And look at a lot of times that's what's require, required to re-establish the organization, re-establish the business, uh, to take it away from the shock. But I think the real challenge for leaders is to say, okay, uh, are we still in martial law mode or are we moving into the new environment, which, which is the complex environment and comp the, the thing about the, the new complex is that we're breaking new ground this is different for everybody the, the, we, we never cope with this before everything that we're doing now seems different uh, appears to be different and and for me the great leaders now are those leaders that have the ability to shift from you know chaos mode to simple mode to complex mode to all of these modes and that they make the right decisions at the right time for the business. So one question that I make to our senior leaders is, um, think about your operating theater. Are you operating in Horizon 1, Horizon 2, or Horizon 3? Where are you spending your time? Where are you, where are you making decisions? Uh, and is that the right split of your time and your energy across those three horizons? What I find is at the moment, most of the time, most of the time and energy is being spent on horizon 0 0.5, which is what is right in front of us. And look at, that's okay at times, but the, the fear I have is that if you spend too much time in crisis mode, uh, you might come out of the crisis, but you might not have a sustainable business. Uh, and that's the challenge I would pose to some of the senior leaders. It brings to mind uh, a guy I refer to a lot, who's Michael Watkins, who wrote the 90 Days book. But he talks about two things, and he just says, one is diagnosing the situation, so whether it's uh, martial law or something else. And secondly, then, you know, are you agile enough to adapt your style to what's needed, not what you would like it to be? Yeah. And it's so simple, because lots of people do the first part, right? They can diagnose it, and they go, that doesn't really suit what I want to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do what I always do <laughs> in this inappropriate <laughs> situation. So... You know, not everyone comes as a natural to this, right? Sometimes of your, you know, the bell curve applies, right? So there's the ones who get it, get it first time. But what about the ones in the middle? What, what sort of supports can you bring to people like that who are struggling maybe at the first time they face this sort of challenge and where they are, as I like to say, in the hot seat? <clears throat> so great, great, great question. I think the first thing is uh, the same as if you were in any sports and you were a top athlete. Uh, the first thing is that you have to mind yourself outside the game so uh, we spend x amount of hours in the office but for me it's about what do you do after the office do you disconnect do you replenish the energy do you sleep well you can only be as good in the game as you are outside the game so for me the first bit of advice is that our leaders now need to take care of themselves that's the key thing uh, and make sure that uh, they have the end the right energy the right mindset the right habits, the, the right everything, or as much as they can, so that once we get our work, once we are in front of our people who are looking at us as role models, we show up the right way. I think the next thing that comes after that is to show that you care for others. Uh, again, this is a very challenging, very difficult time. People are trying to do the best. We, we only see a quarter of what goes on in people's lives. People's lives are very complex. Uh, we have a lot of goodness and we have a lot of very challenging situations. And I think this is a time for leaders to show care and to show compassion. So what I would say is that leaders should check in with, with all their staff members, as many as they can, as much as they can. The other thing I would do for leaders is to say, look, <clears throat> 
we are taught in a school to be very judgmental, to be very, very critical. We, we, we used to get points for our critical analysis. So, so we have trained people to be very critical, judgmental, and analytical. Uh, and their greatest skills to help us to make credit decisions, to make lending decisions, to make some business decisions. But the, the, the thing is that when you're coping, you know, when you're trying to face a lot of uncertainty, complexity, uh, stress, those skills that are helpful for dealing with those things are not helpful to deal with you and that situation because you don't need criticality, you need curiosity, you need compassion, you, you, you need to give yourself um, the same respect, I don't know, compassion that you would give everybody else. And I think sometimes us as leaders, because we have this inner critic and we have this always this drive to do better, to, to always challenge ourselves, um, sometimes we can be our worst enemy. And, and the, the, the one final thing I would say, James, is that, you know, with every moment of uh, great challenge and difficulty, it creates great opportunity. So this is a great time to be more innovative, to be more brave, to do things that sometimes we thought they were never possible. Now they could be possible. And we have proven the things that we thought before that were impossible. We've shown that they can be done. So I think this is a great opportunity for leaders to be able to be brave uh, and to be more innovative and to try new things. Yeah, well, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. If I if I just go back, because there's a few points I really liked, and which in fact go go in contra to what I experienced as I came up through my career. One is, you know, it's all about critical skills, and the other point was energy, because the the bosses that I remember, you know, in my deep deep memory, are the ones who always showed up energized. You know, vulnerability was not a thing. They were the ones who, despite whatever was going on, they looked like they knew where they were going, you know? So it was, in fact, the opposite, but it was also a very effective way of doing it. The gap, and I really like it, you say, you know, the contrasting, the criticality with what you need right now is maybe curiosity, compassion, and maybe a taste for brave. How do you instill that, you know, in, in, in a broader group of people? Because that's a... They're, 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 they're big skills to learn when you're later in life. <laughs> so so I, I, I think, James, I think um, so a, few, a couple of thoughts, right? The first one is uh, I think most people right now have read enough about leadership to know what good leadership looks like. So it's not, it's not a matter of knowing. It's a matter of showing up and doing. So it's that, that gap of knowing versus doing. When, when I talk about leadership, leadership, in my opinion, is about two things. And, and now they're more important than ever. The first one is direction. And the second one is inspiration. So we need to, now, with all the uncertainty, we have to give people some clarity. Now, we need to tell people that these things might change, but we need to build clarity. What does good look like? What does success look like? And then we need to inspire people. Inspire means to breathe life into people, uh, to motivate them, to engage them, to feel that uh, there is hope, to make them uh, feel safe so that they can contribute the best way that they can. Uh, and, and I think the greatest leaders now are, are those people that, exactly those two things, I like that. I think we can all visualize what those type of people look like, people who bring clarity and bring an, a sense of optimism. And when I was referring to my to my past life, they were guys who maybe they understood that whole thing about self-management. They, however tired, whether they're just flown in on a flight or whatever, they realized that their job was to bring clarity and hope. Mm. So they managed that. They operated at the level at which they should and we expected them to. And, and, you know, so much of that is, in a way, imagery. I'm working with a guy at the minute who's, let's call it, preparing for the hot seat, right? 
he's being groomed for that position. And in one of our conversations, he said to me, we're talking about a sort of crisis management situation that had happened about a year previously. And he said, you know, thank God I wasn't in the hot seat that day. And I thought, oh, I mean, that's good self-awareness. <laughs> good reflection to have when you're not in it. But I said, like, you know, the big question is, what's going to get you there? I suppose that comes back. If anyone's listened to us, they'll probably agree with a lot of what's been said. The question is, what supports can be provided and what maybe beyond supports, what supports have you find most useful? Yeah. Then in terms of supports for, for, for our, our leaders, I think, I, th- I think our leaders don't need more work, right? So I would say to leaders, actually, sometimes less is more. Uh, I, I love our leaders to take time to reflect, to start a reflecting logbook and take time every day to say, hey, what did I do? What did I achieve? What did I learn? How did I show up? Uh, you know, and then say, how can just you know, how can I be just a little bit, a, a little bit better version of myself tomorrow? And and it's that constant reflection and constantly trying to show up the best way that you can the following day. I think I think for me that's the first thing. The second thing is that once you do the deep reflection as to who you are, who do you want to become, what do you want to be known for, what do you want your legacy to be. Then once you know what good looks like, once you have that future focus, then it's about taking the first step. And it's not about big steps. It's all about incremental sustainable gains. So it's about the, the one percenters, as I call them. And it's about thinking, knowing what I know now, what is the first thing, what is the one thing that if I put uh, my undivided attention for the next 90 days will have the biggest impact on me as a professional uh, and as a person? Uh, and just start doing something today, just day by day, start doing those things that help you to get to that vision of yourself, that, that, that place where good looks like for you. Uh, in terms of things that we use, in my personal opinion, the most impactful has been to get a, a coach um, or, or a mentor, whatever you call them. Uh, <clears throat> and actually, um, the mentor I got was a guy that was totally different to who I am. So I always was uh, fast and furious, still am, <laughs> always chasing the next thing, always when you finish a target, you go for the next target and then a bigger target. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just I have so much energy to burn that it's just go next, 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 next. Um, and I very quickly came to realize that, you know, sometimes my behavior, you know, is a bit harsh. Sometimes I get a bit impatient with people. Something maybe I don't reflect as much as I should. So I, I surrounded with myself. I, I got a, a mindfulness coach. First time he took me out. Of, he said, we're going to go for a walk. And I said, oh, my God, this feels different already. And we were walking by the, by the, by the river. And in, in, uh, I said, Pedro, I want you to uh, be curious about what you see. I want you to look at the water. I want you to look at the trees. I want you to walk slower. I want you to talk slower. Well, I was saying, where is this guy going? At? <laughs> but, but the interesting thing is that this guy taught me after many sessions, because I need a lot of help with this, um, to become more reflective, to become more analytical, to be more cautious, to be more, to be more in tune with me, to be more in tune with uh, what was in front of me, to be more mindful. Um, I must honestly say it's a game changer. And I think it has made me a better leader and a better person. Look, I remember the first, uh, let's say, management development stuff I did in a, in a team. It was back about 2014, so not so long ago. And we did just something very basic like, you know, breathe in and slow down before the meeting started, right? It was trying to get that sort of early check-in to try and see where yeah. it was. And I remember I got a splitting headache. It's a bit like a, a bit like, you know, 
it's an addiction to the stress. This was only about 8.30 in the morning, right? <laughs> and already just slowing down gave me a chronic headache. But it's exactly the sort of the thing you have when you give up coffee, right? I want you and the, and the, and the, and the listeners to think about a snowball, right? If you have a snowball and you shake it, the particles go everywhere. And it's impossible to look through. You can look through, but you can barely see through it. Our brain is the same. Our brain has followed those particles all the times going around it. You know, worries, anxieties, uh, fears, all maybe thoughts, maybe opportunities. There's so much going on in our brain. And the best thing that we can do for the brain is like the snowball. When we post the snowball, after a couple of seconds, all the particles has gone down. So the anxieties, the worries, the stresses, they're still there. But now we can see much more clearly through them. And that's what be more mindful and more... Um, I suppose taking more time to reflect. That's what he has taught me, is that things don't go away. You know, we'll always have worry. We'll always have a stress. But what it, it allows you to do is to see it a little bit more clearer as to what that solution. The last nine or 10 months have clearly been an accelerated learning time for everybody. Right? It's, it's not business as usual. And it's said that moments of crisis sort of amplify your weaknesses and your strengths. Mm you're you're more exposed right because you, you can't be too well prepared so of of the senior people that you're working with who's had a let's look in the positive who's had a good covid i mean who has who has positively surprised so what you see at a time of covid is that you see people that sometimes before maybe they were hidden and suddenly they put their hand up suddenly they're leading teams suddenly they're you know just leading the way uh, doing things that you go, wow, I, I, I never even knew that this person was there. Unbelievable. Like they, they really come to their best at times of difficulty, at times of, um, of chaos, at times of disruption. Um, and, and those people, as you say, become much more visible now, which is great. So the, the biggest uh, thing that I would say to my colleagues and, and, and everyone is that we, we need to be very aware of who, who are those people that have shown through the crisis uh, have we identified them? Uh, and what are we going to do with them? How are we going to mind them going forward? The, the other point I would make is that leaders that are good in chaos no, are not necessarily leaders that are good in growth or, or in long-term thinking. So I want you to think as well about not forgetting about those leaders that once we get out of the crisis, might be leaders that we will really need. And those are the leaders that can think in Horizon 3, that are big thinkers, that can visualize, that can visualize the future, that can create a possible scenarios as to what the financial services industry could look like. And, you know, having done all of that thinking, they might say, here are the three most uh, possible ones. And by the way, if those were to come uh, true, what would be the impact on our core capabilities? What would be the impact on our services? What would be the impact on our people? And then start working it backwards to see how do we create an organization that is sustainable for the future? So in summary, I suppose there's, there's no one best fit for leadership. It's about the situation dictates the best leaders for that situation. Uh, and we just need to be aware as to what are the phases of our evolution of the business and make sure that uh, we tap onto, you know, that we are aware of who they are and that we create those opportunities for them to shine and to do their best. But I think for the listeners, it's a it's a very simple framework and, and something they can apply, which is, you know, does the situation require horizon one, two or three thinking? Mm. And what is my natural fit? And I, have I shown myself able to adapt or have I experimented enough at this time? Yeah. That, in fact, gives them the ownership of it. You know, some people will go, yeah. 
you know, I've, you know, maybe my limitations have been exposed and I just have to get comfortable with that. And other people will just <laughs> yeah. be, be absolutely energized. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's yeah, all. Yeah, you agree. So I just want to d- dig into your history briefly and look at how that informs how you, you know, manage your function. So are there any other, you know, moments when you, that sort of formed you and formed your your view on um, let's call it leadership development mm-hmm. and life. So yeah, that's again another good question. It brings me back to my first, I, probably one of my first people leaders, and probably the one that I, if I think about people that have made a big difference for me, this guy was one of them. Uh, it's a guy from Cork called Inga Sobroin, and if he listens to this iPad, I just want to say it. You know, I actually I might pick up the phone and call him and say. I mean, he was he was a true, true leader, and I think he was ahead of his time, at, you know, thinking of his time at the time. But he told me two key things about me as a leader. The first thing is, uh, Pedro, nobody will thank you for being a busy fool. And I thought that was very interesting. He said, look, it's all about impact and meaning. He said, it's not about being busy. It's about being busy doing the right things that carry the right impact. And the second one, funnily enough, is about always check your how relevant you are to the market and what is your market value <clears throat> so um at some point he said look if you put your cv on the, on the marketplace i said yeah, you want to get rid of me he said no 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 he says it's good for people to check the market once in a while and see what, what is the appetite for someone like you in the marketplace if there's no appetite that's 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 important feedback uh, if i look at probably the worst leader that i work with um again it's, it's nothing to do with the person it was probably for a number of reasons uh a lot of it probably to do with my own self. But what I, what I learned is uh, a lot of times I saw people coming off uh, this guy's room, crying, sad, and, and, and I said, you know, <clears throat> if I ever leave people, I will never allow myself to have a situation where people for no reason uh, don't feel comfortable telling me how they feel. Uh, uh, if I have any choice in making sure that they don't feel hard on by or, or sad or, or, or feel that I am not treating them with respect, that, that taught me. Now, I make tough decisions. I have no problem giving people tough feedback. Uh, but be kind to people, but tough on the issue. Thanks for that. And, and what I like is you give both a positive and a negative because sometimes you've probably answered my last question, Pedro, which was for people listening to the show who have aspirations to get to the hot seat, what are the things they should be working on now that will prepare them for the future? Is there anything in addition to what you've already said that, that you'd like to impart? So, so just one big thing, you know, a lot of us, when we're thinking about our development, we look within our own area. Some of us look a little bit broader within our own department. Some of us look in a little bit broader within our own organization. Some of us look even broader within our own industry, our own country. I would say that the best advice I can ever give you is you, you need to break all of that and just think even bigger. I, I need you to look at the, at the, at the world. I, I need you to look at the mega trends. I, 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 love you, I, I love you to think about what's going on in the world, what's disrupting the world, what are the impacts of the mega trends in the world, and what does the, the world of the future will look like. And, and there are things that we know for a fact that will be good in the future. So one of them is innovation. One of them is creativity. One of them is emotional intelligence. And um, I'll I leave you with a very interesting quote that um, there was, we had our sustainability conference. And this speaker, I think it was from Unilever, he, he, he made this closing remark. He said, in terms of climate change, he said, 
if it isn't you, who? And if it is, if it isn't now, when? So, Pedro, thanks very much, and, and for your generosity in sharing all of that. I, I'll leave you with a quote now, which is the same one I did before, which is, if oh, you right. want passion with pragmatism, insight with inspiration, and humanity with humor, Pedro's your man. So, look, Pedro Angulo, thanks a lot. James, thank you so much. An absolute pleasure. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.